A lot of sta uh, stakeholders are going to be focusing so much more on the, um, let's see, the, the ESG footprint of their investments. I think um, there are certain, certain assets, certain investment proposals which up till a couple of years ago looked very promising, but when you factor in, uh, let's say, negative impact from maybe uh, use type or maybe even uh, an occupier of, a, of an asset, which might be perceived under the, these, uh, under this, in this analysis as, uh, let's say, counterproductive. Day Fire Podcast at Expo Real. Welcome to the A-Fire podcast, now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? leaders, and global citizens. For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson. So we're continuing to talk with uh, some of the thought leaders uh, in real estate investing that have assembled this year at the Expo Real in Munich, Germany. Now, usually this is a much bigger conference, uh, and that's because you have people from all over the world. Uh, but I feel like I'm one of a very small group of Americans uh, at this conference this year since it was so difficult to travel overseas uh, and very few folks from Asia. However, when it comes to Europe, very well represented and has been very, very active. Lots of interest here in terms of how things are going and lots of interest in terms of the changes that are going to happen with the lifting of travel restrictions in November. So to help us kind of set the stage and understand where it's going on, I'm, I'm really I'm pleased to have Sebastian Vetter, who's the global head of real estate and specialized lending at DECA Bank, uh, to sit down with me amidst all his meetings uh, to give us a picture. So thank you uh, for joining me on the AFIRE Remote Podcast. Pleasure. Happy to be here. Well, Sebastian, uh, why don't you help me understand what you think the state, the current state of the lending markets uh, are, and specifically cross-border lending into the U.S.? Definitely. I think it's uh, the U.S. is definitely a market where you see a whole lot of uh, uh, cross-border lending, especially from Germany into the U.S. So, um, I mean, clearly, DECA is an exa example for that as a German-based bank, uh, you know, uh, providing meaningful financing in the U.S. But you do have other lenders banks, other specialized lenders from Germany, um, you know, uh, putting some, uh, um, you know, some high lending volumes into that market. And uh, I think that speaks for the attractiveness of the uh, of the market for the investment proposals that you can. Uh, invest in over there and it's uh, yeah an important market for us it's our it's one of our biggest where we're lending so so, so how do you think things will um, shape out with the November 1st kind of dropping of those travel restrictions do you think there will be a, a surge in activity or, or how, how do you think people are going to proceed well I think uh, a lot of our peers um, and ourselves uh, for that matter we do have people on the ground which is you know one of the most important things you know if you lend in a market you need to be there you need to talk to the right people but clearly um, there are folks that are, haven't been making it over there our, our risk people they haven't been able to 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 inspect properties uh, we uh, 
we as a as management team like to to see our, our staff again that's that's clear and uh, yeah so I think um, in terms of you know feet on the ground they've always been there and we've continued doing business but I think in terms of meeting the decision makers of our clients that, that that'll be a uh, key um, when we when we manage to to return and uh, I think I mean my, my first trip is planned for uh, early December looking forward to, to to meeting clients and clearly the team again because <laughs> we haven't really uh, you know had any in-person meetings for the last 18 months and that's uh, clearly not great you know and we're engaged in a, in a risk business and 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 part of how we mitigate or understand or overcome that is with that personal connection and being able to connect to each, look each other in the eye I mean that's a you know it's a hackneyed phrase I guess but it it seems to be true that we need that um, even after all the I mean how did you adapt over the last year and a half in terms of using virtual tech and and working with employees remotely I mean how did that go for you yeah yeah now it's very important because uh, you know that that contact that uh you know, uh, giving feedback back and forth. I mean, that's that's uh, very important when you structure financings, uh, especially of the uh, you know hundred million dollars uh, size. So yeah, we we have had a, a you know the conversation have been ongoing. We did use uh, you know uh, Webex uh, for for pipeline calls, for example, for yeah for um, yeah personnel uh, issues and and stuff like that. So that. that the conversations have continued, uh, simply not in person. And I think uh, um, it was very important also during COVID to get the feedback from the guys on the ground on what they're seeing in terms of yeah, uh, developments in the market, how what the clients are seeing, um, what, yeah, what the government is doing. I mean, uh, sometimes you'd simply get other information from people who are there than through international media who uh, maybe put a different twist on things so uh, that that personal uh, feedback and input was uh, very important it's interesting to me that even in a time of total digital information all the time 24 7 all that sort of stuff that we still need to connect with someone to say okay what is it really um, how much of this is hype how much of this you know what's the real picture on the ground and so many of the conversations that we had in the first year of the pandemic um, were specifically around that. We're, we're simply, you know, talking to members and saying, well, this is what it feels like now. Um, and then doing the same thing for us. And we needed it. It was just like we didn't have that usual uh, connection. So when you talk about U.S. Uh, real estate investing in property markets, what, from a, from a lending perspective, are you seeing the most of? Are you the most interested in lending in? What is it that makes the most sense from a risk reward uh, perspective? First of all, it's important to, to note that uh, throughout the pandemic, pandemic, we have been active, we've been writing business, but I guess it's just the way that we, we analyze the deals even more thoroughly uh, and maybe with a slightly different focus. I mean, it's uh, as we all know, and as you've talked about many times, the future of office use is gonna change. You, you're gonna have the the work from home is going to play a bigger part and we just have to make sure that the real estate we, that we do finance is up to up to scratch up to up to the challenge uh, and uh, uh, you know clearly looking for flexible uh, um, use of space uh, the, the possibility to to multi-let uh, if need be and these kind of things but in terms of asset types uh, we've always had a quite a narrow range of what we finance we've always been into uh, office buildings logistics and on occasions hotel and uh, 
to a lesser extent retail uh, assets. So um, at the moment, really, the focus is on on on, uh, on office and and logistics or uh, industrial, as you might call it in, in the US, um, as we see um, them the most robust, and we can tell from our portfolio um, that they're the the, the impact of COVID has been noticeable, but it's been uh, to a far lesser extent than hotels and and retail. Thankfully, there we're not too uh, um, positioned there in the US. And uh, and yeah, and that's I think the uh, the strategy that we continue to follow. We have a some clearly defined markets around the, the east and the west coast. Um, on, on the east coast, we're pretty much New York, Washington, and and, uh, and Boston. And on the West Coast, it's uh, it's uh, San Francisco, LA, Seattle, and uh, Portland, Oregon. Um, and there we still feel very comfortable because they are markets with a great liquidity, with a great transparency, which I guess is important when you're sitting quite far away. Clearly, we have our, our folks on uh, in New York, in our New York office, who uh, help us make sense of it all. But but still, I mean, you need transparency, you need uh, you know volume, you need. Um, yeah, uh, transactions happening, and for us, these markets uh, tick all those boxes. And and yet you are going. It sounds like to what we used to call secondary markets. I mean, Portland, kind of a, a secondary market. What's driving you there? Again, I think it's uh, it's a very healthy um, healthy city. There's there's a lot going on. There, I think um, we have um, yeah, we have our our investors that we that we follow uh, into those markets. They, they see r real value there, and there's, uh, from our point of view, uh, a stable, um, let's say, economic situation. Uh, a lot of uh, big, big corporates around that area. We have some spillovers from market, markets such as, as, as Seattle. Um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's simply a, a, a very positive uh, dynamic uh, with the whole uh, redevelopment of the Pearl District and, 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 and things like that. Uh, that, that um, that made us uh, take a closer look. And when we do uh, enter a new market, and that market is probably the last one that we, that we entered, we, we do do our due diligence. We talk to the, to the, um, to the values, to the professionals uh, there, and, uh, and get a, uh, try and get, a, again, transparency. That's for us very important uh, to, to know what the trends are. And, um, and for us, those trends all made a whole lot of sense and uh, that the, the dynamic is going in the right direction. I, I'm glad you used the word transparency because I think that that's becoming ever more crucial for everybody as, as, as they think about their investing. Certainly from a lending perspective, but even, even equity investors are trying to get to that level of transparency, both for the asset and for themselves as they're talking to their investors. Um, and good news, by the way, speaking of words, uh, I think in the last two years in the U.S., we've stopped calling it industrial that much. We're, yeah. we, we, we're following your lead. It's logistics, and, and we really see it that way. There's still a few holdouts. There always is, but I, I think logistics has become the word. Um, so, I mean, you're you're in the risk business, and uh, it, it. I've always felt that one of the first places to stop when you're trying to figure out, all right, what are the risks that I'm not taking into account, is with the lenders because you are doing more due diligence, you are paying more attention to things. Um, what are the risks that we're not paying enough attention to as an industry? I think one risk that we're clearly seeing um, and we're being forced especially in Europe to look much much more closer on is uh, the whole risk relating to ESG to environmental change to um, to um, yeah, climate change and for us uh, our regulator is is really um, 
let's say, motivating us to, to do more uh, analysis in that respect. And while I think in the US, the, the momentum is now, uh, again, I think going in the right direction with, uh, with, with uh, uh, returning to the Paris Accord and, and, and things like that. Um, the, the question is whether in the investment decision, this whole um, issue of stranded assets uh, is, is really, um, if, if it has the right weight in the investment decision. Because I think, um, as, as, we, as everybody notices, uh, yeah, the environment is changing. You, you do have uh, big challenges from wildfires, but flooding uh, and, and tornadoes, tornadoes and so on. And um, as I said, there, there's, we're now being asked to uh, reinforce our due diligence in these kind of aspects, fi uh, have it, um, let's say, um, have it more more clearly described in our uh, credit analysis, uh, do like an ESG score even. Uh, and that is, as I said, driven on one hand by the regulator, but also um, from, um, yeah, from, from discussions with, with, uh, with, with valuers and investors here in, in Europe, who are also seeing that this is uh, very important. You're absolutely right. And I think one of the things that, that I'm just starting to see this conversation is that is that disconnect between where the U.S. is right now and where European regulators are or where they're going um, and how there's going to be another adjustment that needs to take place. We've done a few adjustments already on the ESG front, but you're right, getting to the point that we can really score it, that we can really mark it, and not just on the E front, which is certainly big and important, but across E, S, and G. Um, there's a lot of conversation around that. I mean, wh what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think uh, since... Whole, uh, a lot of sta uh, stakeholders are going to be focusing so much more on the, um, let's see, the, the ESG footprint of their investments. I think um, there are certain, certain assets, certain investment proposals, which up till a couple of years ago looked very promising. But when you factor in, uh, let's say, negative impact from maybe uh, use type or maybe even uh, an occupier of, a, of an asset, which might be perceived under the, these, uh, under this, in this analysis, as uh, let's say counterproductive. You know, if we're talking about uh, fossil fuels and, and things like that, uh, reliance on fossil fuels, for example, that that uh, doesn't score that highly on the ESG side of things. Uh, on the other hand, if um, investors and developers work together to, uh, yeah concentrate more on carbon neutral buildings those investments will be very much sought after I mean that's my my view and clearly a lot of international players are, are realizing this have realized this and and really starting to uh, include these these aspects in their uh, in their publications in their uh, in their analysis and, and certainly the influence of international investors on, on the US property markets is significant it's 13 14 15 percent depending on which year and who's counting um, of the total capital that's going in, so that that's enough to, to move the needle. Um, and you're right; there's 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 more more momentum around the issue, uh, uh, but there's going to be some new winners and some new losers on this, I think. Yeah, and there, there are things like um, that investment funds, for, for example, in Germany, who, um, who who invest in green buildings, for example, they can label their uh, their fund as a green fund, and uh, I think. In Germany, with the uh, you know government uh, changing the green the greens 
probably uh, uh, you know being part of the, the the government this this whole focus on green is, is going to be uh, very important and people investing in retail products for example they uh, they look for ESG compliant investments and uh, so it, it's very important for for the investors who do uh, you know distribute into the retail market to to have a, a fitting product for that um, and uh, those big investors they do invest in in the US and so they also need to to look for ESG or green investments in the US and uh, I think there's definitely a market maybe it will be driven first of all by overseas investors but I think uh, the, the, the big players in the US market will, will definitely follow suit there. So uh, pulling back just a little bit and thinking about more long term uh, like 10 years what do you think this business is going to look like uh, in a decade in terms of lending cross-border? So I think there, there, there are a couple of things that people will be looking at more closely. Uh, when we look at the asset class office, I think people will be looking at um, the, the possibility for these assets to cater for mobile work. I think nobody expects everybody to come back to the office uh, after Corona has, has, has subsided. So I think the flexibility of office space and the, the offering to the, to the tenants, that's, that's going to be very important. But the ESG uh, credentials are going to to play a big role, and it's 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 starting to or it it will move away from a more of a philosophical issue to a real life uh, situation that needs to be addressed when 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 you when you keep um, seeing natural disasters, uh, uh, forest fires, and so on. You really gotta look at your portfolio, look at your investments de decisions, and and see what is my exposure to these to these risks and am I uh, properly uh, is my portfolio um, properly safeguarded uh, against so those trends so I think the uh, the focus on, on ESG and, and environmental matters uh, is going to play a central central role in the analysis of investors that actually is kind of exciting if people do pay attention to that then maybe we've got a shot um, so um, thank you, Sebastian, for joining me here today on the AFIRE Remote Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the AFIRE Podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the AFIRE Podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the AFIRE Podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. To learn more about the AFIRE Podcast, including underwriting and guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.